You know, arguments will be made. Sometimes somebody writes an amazing song. Uh, and I know our guest today is a gigantic Bob Dylan fan. But many people have produced superior auditory versions of his particular missives. I cannot disrespect the Simon and Garfunkel original of this song, but the Bangles turned this song into something that a lot more people could relate to, and I absolutely freaking love it. The Bangles' Hazy Shade of Winter to kick off episode 200 and, no, 348. 348. I suddenly feel very, very old. It's the Brian Oak Show here in the Smart Start MN Studios. I happen to be Brian Oak. That happens to be Sean Bernard. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous fall day outside. Tons of sunshine. Yes, the leaves are brown. Yes, everything is changing. Because even though Halloween is my favorite particular holiday of the year personally, and I like Thanksgiving, I like Christmas, but I like to keep them in order, when I already go out before Halloween and see Christmas trees in the stores, it makes me a little ragey. But you know what? You have to move on. You can't, that's no way to live, right? How are you, Sean? I'm doing well. It's my wife's birthday, and I want to say happy birthday, even though she has not listened to one second of this show over 348 episodes. Oh, I promise you, we my wife never even... We have a deep love for each other, but she's she, when I was on the radio, she, we lived in the same town. She's like, why would I... I, I already got your... I've got all the jokes. When I started here. at Cities 97.1 <laughs> back in 2001, more than 20 years ago, uh, every day I'd come home, my wife would be like, oh my God, BT said the most amazing thing oh, this no, morning. Oh no, you don't want that. And I'd be like, well, what did you think of my show? She's like, oh, I wasn't able to listen to that. <laughs> I couldn't, didn't catch it today, but hey, maybe tomorrow. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. That means that if you screw up, you drink and drive and you get popped, which you're going to get popped, don't do it. It's just not worth it, especially in this affordable age of Uber and Lyft and everything else, go back and get your car tomorrow way better than a night in jail. Not that I would know, but from what I've heard, Smart Start MN, should you make the wrong choice, will get you back into your vehicle sooner and for less money than you might imagine possible. The chances of winning the lottery about 1 in 170 million, they say. Yeah. The chances of getting a DUI... A lot higher than that. If you drink and drive, for sure. No, I mean, like, you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than winning the lottery, and you have even a better chance of getting popped if you drink and drive. Just don't do it. It's dumb. But if you do do it, talk to our friends at Smart Start MN. Yeah, go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. I also want to thank our friends at AudioQuip. You know, every time we walk into this room, the Smart Start MN Studios, it's a humble abode, but it's our tree fort. This is our place. We have crafted literally hundreds of podcasts in here with some of the most interesting and incredible people in the Twin Cities. AudioQuip are the ones who have provided us with every piece of equipment we have in here. That's like short for audio equipment. I believe it's called a portmanteau if I'm not mistaken, to borrow from the French, where you combine two words together, audio quip, but there are some pretenders out there, so make sure you look for the little red emblem and uh, give them some love. You know, if you're going to be doing a TED Talk, you're going to be busking on the street corner, you need some equipment. They are your equipment people, so thank you very much to them. You want to hit Scott Mackay here real quick, too? Let's do it. Um, so Scott Mackay is our mortgage guy here at the Brian Oak Show. Uh, fantastic dude. Just spent another hour and a half with him uh, Tuesday morning just to talk about the market and what's going on, mm-hmm. what the options are. And something that I just brought up, uh, just learned about, is this situation where you can have sellers pay to buy down your interest rate for the first several years of the loan. Well, their houses might not be selling as quickly. It's a way for them to get the house to sell. It's a way to help the buyers on the buyer side as well. It's not an arm. That's the thing that Right. matters the most is people hear about it and they go, oh, you just mean an arm and then I'm going to have a big balloon payment. Nope, it's not an arm. Well, and, uh, and We're living in an age, too, where people are so caught up on that interest rate number that they're losing sight of the fact that you're buying a home, you're building a future. The interest rates are always going to be weird. and so, But you can't let that stand in the way of moving on with the rest of your life. Yeah, and they, the saying is you always are paying a mortgage. It's just you're either paying your mortgage or your landlord's mortgage. Ouch. So you get to decide at some point what you want to do. Uh, to each their own, I always say. Mm. Uh, Scott's uh, NMLS number is 332068, but the number that you really need is his phone number so he can explain how this all works a lot better than I can do. Uh, you can reach him at 612-875-4338. Scott McKay. 
the mortgage guy. Did you give out his uh, Android registry number? I did. Okay, did very indeed, good. Yes. Very good. You know, one of the things I always say is that the universe seeks a balance. It's one of the reasons that I love living here in Minnesota. Sean and I are both lifelong Minnesotans, as is our next guest, or at least he's definitely a northerner, a term that he has coined that I've fallen in love with over the early stages of his new book, Winter's Song, A Hymn to the North. He is a well-regarded radio broadcaster, a podcaster, a poet, a musician. Musician, storyteller of many, many, many words. And now he's put some of them down in a book that I'm finding fascinating and probably going to spend a good chunk of my weekend with because it is the time of the season. Things are changing. It's brown out there and fall sometimes can be long and glorious. Other times it can last about two weeks before the big first wallop. Regardless, we always know it's on the other side of autumn and that is winter. And our guy today, he is, in addition to the respect he has earned, he's got Fantastic hair, doesn't he, Sean? Uh, yeah, it's you know, fucker. <laughs> He's just like really. Fucker. That's what yeah. we're going to talk about. No, we're not. I'm just mentioning it because I think <laughs> it makes me think of like the song "Werewolves of London," where he's like, "I saw a werewolf in Trader Vic's with a menu in his hand. His hair looked." So he's like mid werewolf, is what you're saying. I'm like not saying his- he's a werewolf at all. I'm just saying that of the many, many things he brings to the table, one is a good looking set of follicles. Tommy Mischke is going to be our guest, and we're going to talk about his new book, Winter Song: A Hymn to the North, coming up momentarily. But first, because he talks a lot about northerners and i think we all are self-described northerners yes. whether we like it or not but there are some southerners that have a well winter's different down there right like you talked about living in arizona it's not fucking snow in arizona it was bizarre it's, like putting up the christmas tree still with, putting in the christmas desert trees up yeah and putting garland yeah. outside and blow up snowmen on their Boo. on their front yard of rocks and pebbles and yes. sand it's not the same thing but there are some southerners who embrace it and there's a band i've always liked the squirrel nut zippers they had the one kind of minor alt hit back in the day hell but they have one of my favorite christmas records of all time it's filled with nothing but originals and a lot of times the songs aren't just about christmas they're about the time of the year and this one is one of my all-time favorites it is squirrel nut zippers with winter weather as we're going to be getting deep on winter coming up next on the brian oak show I've never regretted the approach of winter. I've always loved it because I am on record uh, loudly screaming that I hate summer. You know, there are snowbirds who, when it gets cold here, they head south. 
when it turns into dinosaur weather, hot and humid and ferns have taken over all the city streets, I would like to go north. I'd like to go to Yellowknife, somewhere in the Northwest Territories, maybe to the far northern edge, right below the Arctic Circle. I hate summer, and so I love winter, but I know not everybody feels the same. But you, Mr. Mishke, have written, I think, an insightful... It's somewhere between a starter's manual for winter for maybe those who haven't walked down the path before and also a genuine love letter to the fact that we get wild seasons here. Before we get into the meat of your book, first and foremost, hi, Tommy Mishke. How are you? Brian, it is so lovely to be here again. I always walk into this room and think, boy, you know, this beats most living rooms I sit in. There's just a cool vibe here. Just a very cool vibe. That is very, very high praise. Is life treating you all right right now? Yeah, things are good. Things yeah, well, good. you've been busy. You've got this new book, and I don't remember. I don't know the last time you wrote a book or did something that required this level of promotion, but you're sort of out of nowhere, everywhere, all at once, because you have to do promotion when you create something, right? Yeah, it's the side of it that I don't know that I love but have to do and i realize in this day and age especially with books it's not 1957 when far more people were reading right you have to get out there and remind people that there is this thing called reading and books and hopefully in the morass of options out there they spend a little time with your effort, but not without you banging on the door. Exactly. Otherwise, they're not going to know. The only two things I collect in life are vinyl records and books. And I have bought more books and vinyl records, frankly, than if I sat down and tried to attend to all of them from now until I die. Things will go on listened to. Things will go on read. However, the tactile sensation of a book. I was sitting outside. I got here about an hour early, and the sun was starting to come out. A lot of that morning frosty dew was going away. And I was sitting there reading, and it was a very visceral and wonderful experience, not only because I was reading a book, but because your new book is good. Winter Song, A Hymn to the North. I'm sure this is years in the making. But when you when did you decide, F it, I'm sitting down, I'm writing this, I'm putting a book out. The first COVID winter, 2020, I said to myself, what am I going to do with this time that will clearly be presented and we're not going out, we're not doing as much? I got to do something creatively. And uh, I said, I'm going to start writing about this season that's outside my window that I'm looking at every day. Winter, that first winter was a wild one, as you guys may recall. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've seen anything like it before, and I hope we... Never see anything like it again. But it was great for writing. I'm sure there are musicians who wrote a lot of songs during that time. And I said, let's see what happens. I didn't know if it would be a book. And I stopped at the end of March in 2021, picked it up the next year in December, stopped end of March. And then the next winter, this last winter, started editing it. And then looked at it and said, is this a book? What is this? And then I went out to see if anybody else thought it was a book. And Skywater Press thought it was a book. So it's a book. Now it's a book, and it's called Winter Song, A Hymn to the North. You are, you've crafted, I love the way that you were able to utilize, you came up with a word that I can't get out of my head since I started reading this book yesterday, Northerner. We're mm-hmm. Northerners, right? Mm-hmm. We're on, do you have to live in a state that's on the northern border of the USA to be a Northerner, or does it go as far south as, say, Iowa? Are they Northerners? I'm sure they think they are. (laughs) (laughs) This is is somewhat ironic because I believe within the last 24 hours, the Star Tribune has published a story with the headline, Most Minnesotans Consider Themselves Midwesterners, Not Northerners. Interesting. There's something in there. I didn't get to read the story, but it's so funny that it's coming right when I argue the opposite. Uh I would argue that... We're very different from a Nebraska, Iowa, the Midwest. And certainly you you can look on the political map Mm. and we look different. But I thought we've always been different. And winter helps define what makes us different. The winter experience we have versus a southern Iowa experience is so different. And it, it owns us. One of the arguments I make in the book is, This is our identity. The last 11 years for my podcast, I've traveled the country, and when I mention where I'm from, it's the first thing people bring up, winter. That is who we are, and it dominates our calendar. 
to not make some sort of peace with that, or I would argue in the book, go further and make that season work for you in a million different ways, many of which have nothing to do with going outside in it. To not to not take this dominating season and have it enhance your existence somehow is a great failure. And so many people I talk to just sort of dismiss the seasons. So waiting room for the other seasons. And I compare it to spending a third of your life sleeping, which we do, <laughs> and never giving a damn about your dreams. That's that's what it's like for me. Winter is, you used the word earlier, wild. That's what it is. It's the wild season. Spring, fall, and summer are variations on a theme. And then comes this other planet. It's another planet. And you decide what you're going to do with it, what you're going to make of it. It's there doing what it does. And you can you can make it what you will, but there's so much to be made out of it if people would try. We're going to dive deeper into the book and that point exactly just ahead, but I hate to go too long without a song. You've chosen, uh, well, an Iowan who's probably not going to be happy that you've dismissed him from the Northerners <laughs> Club, uh, but he's one of the great upper Midwestern or Central American songwriter, not Central America, Central <laughs> North America. Uh, he's a great songwriter is my point. And I want to know why you picked him and why you picked this track right here. This song does an astounding job of isolating and highlighting a period in time in America that some listeners will not have lived through. I did not, not in my memory. I was mm. alive. But late 63 into 64, our country changed. And the way he gets at it through this idea of a 1963 purchase of a Dodge that is actually a 64, because that's how car sales are, and the transformation that the country was about to go through, he doesn't come at it overtly. He comes at it in a subtle way. And even strangely, just talking about it, I I have goosebumps because he nailed it. I can feel that period in time. And uh, it's just a, it's a wonderful period piece by Greg Brown. Money comes out of dad's billfold. Hankies come out of mom's purse. And hardly makes a sound Even when you put it in reverse It's got a push-button transmission Hard-top convertible four-door It's November of 63 And the brand-new Dodge is a 64 The brand-new Dodge And the gravel crunch Church is finally over And we're gonna have our Sunday lunch And then I will play football With my buddies down in the park Later I'll dream about my girlfriend As I lie alone in the dark As I lie alone Suits also blue, and her little brother is retarded, but Jesus loves him too, and Jesus loves our president, even though he is a Catholic. There's a lot for a boy to think about as he walks along the railroad tracks, as he walks along.
sister won't get car sick Cause we're only going half a mile And the car still has that new car smell And dad looks like he might smile And the world is big and full of autumn And I'm hungry as can be And we're in our brand new 64 Dodge November of 63 November legendary isn't he he is and it's it's fascinating to i've heard he's retired he's he's done he's married to iris dement she's not done right recently saw her at the cedar cultural center but uh just living that quiet life in iowa talk about a guy who's married to a place i mean i like to think i am but he he and iowa you can't separate the two well, there are three Minnesota Catholic guys sitting in this very small room right here, and um, there's going to be something unifying about that. But we also grew up Northerners, every one of us, and I, obviously it would be impossible to remember the very first time you saw snow because it's literally been a part of your life, your entire life. But as part of your book, Winter's Song, A Hymn to the North, my favorite chapter that I've read so far, again, I'm only four or five chapters in, but it's called First Snow. And it talks about the difference between the first snow of the season, us, we expect it, it's coming. Might be mild, might be crazy, people will drive like crap, you'll be late for work. But for people who are from somewhere else that haven't had that first snow, that's a seismic experience. Do you remember your first time you remember being around snow? No, I find it hard to believe anybody does who was born and raised here. I don't know that you can claim that. Uh, you may have a feeling of, of a snowfall when you were a kid, but you're first. Yeah. So I really wanted to get in the heads of people who honestly had a first snow. They were raised in the tropics, mm-hmm. got married or a, a, to someone from here or a job transfer, and they plopped down here and saw it for the first time. And their views of it are astounding, beautiful, wonderful. They're, they're more akin to a child's experience of snow you share some great stories of people you've interviewed and talked with like one guy who was from tonga i think yeah uh and he's like i looked outside and saw the snow falling and assumed it was the end of the world and the trees are dead all the trees are dying (laughs) all the trees and and i can't live somewhere where there's no trees and even though people were assuring him regularly these trees will survive they will be back in the spring he couldn't quite get his head around it he saw snow and and the winter before him as an environmental disaster wow that would destroy all living things <laughs> he didn't comprehend the cycle <laughs> and think about that when you don't know the cycle think of how ingrained in us the cycle is but it, it and what that does to who we are i don't think any of us realize how much winter informs so much of our philosophical take on existence I have a phrase that I go back to, and Sean will attest to literally virtually every show, and that is the universe seeks a balance, right? And that whole, it sounds cliche maybe to some, but, you know, it's darkest before the dawn, or you can't appreciate the light without the dark, or whatever sort of analogy you want to use there. I think winter is a real informer, because, you know, I talk about hating the summer, but I can survive it. I'll get through it. It's not a big deal. Winter happens, you know, when you get up at four in the morning and you walk outside to your truck and it's 20 below, literally with a nice, sharp, stiff breeze blowing. In summer, I get that malaise, that stupidity, that sort of just like I sweat, even though I'm sitting still, I hate it. But when you wake up in that 20 below weather or a heavy snowfall and you know it's going to take a minute to get to work, your body immediately, my brain, at least mine does, goes, pay attention or you're fucking dead. Pay attention. <laughs> yeah. And so people who aren't from here, they do ask, why would you ever live here, Sean? Why would you live here? Well, I'll tell you a very, very quick story. So my friends in Arizona like say this to me all the time. How could you have moved back there? Why could you do it? Well, January of 2021, I finally got COVID. 
And we at that that same night that I discovered I had it, I knew there was a big snowfall coming. The next morning at six o'clock in the morning, I hear it's my eighty one year old neighbor out shoveling my sidewalk. Yep. The next morning, another snow, the same thing happened again. And I said to my friend in Arizona, one of my best friends down there, Do you know your neighbors? No, I I really don't know my neighbors down here. We have six foot walls between each other. I said, you know, it's not perfect up here. There's no perfect place to live. But that moment of generosity by that neighbor went such a long way, you know, and that's part of the spirit of people up here. It allows people to stop down and go, wait a second. Somebody's really having a tough time right here. You don't always see that in other states that are not northern states. There's a chapter I wrote called Push. That talks yeah. <laughs> about what you're talking about. Yeah. And I say, you can be a jerk in the summertime. You, you, you <laughs> yeah. can't in winter. Yeah. The season calls on you in so many ways to be better to other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another gift it gives. But I would also argue, there's a quote I have in the book from someone, I can't remember who it is. They say, if you don't like my cold, you don't deserve my spring. <laughs> the springs and summers we get, they're not sitting there isolated. Their joy is in contrast. The hottest yeah. summer day is, or the most beautiful summer day, is informed by winter. Our our springs, our falls, and our summers are born out of winter. It's what it isn't that we're falling in love with. I refuse to believe those people in Arizona have anything close to an appreciation <laughs> of a beautiful warm day. I it's impossible. There we only understand things. Period. Everything in contrast. Well, cycle of life and we get that with the seasons here. We get that true cycle of life, that time of dying. And if you can't get introspective in the winter, you can't get introspective at all in my opinion. I I've long held the belief that <clears throat> California is so insane because it's pretty and perfect there all the time. And that, I, I, don't, I don't believe the human psyche is made for that. I think no. that the human psyche needs cyclical things. It needs challenges. I never learned to hate the winter. I grew up having snowball fights. I grew up mm. spending hours making the perfect snow fort. Yes. 15 feet from another oh, guy yeah. who's making the snow fort. Yep. Then we take another hour and make the snowballs. And yep. eventually someone takes an ice chunk right to the eye and ends up crying and running <laughs> home. You know, But you're making a, a snow person, whatever the case may be. Sledding, skiing, ice skating... My family used to go on cross-country ski vacations. That was a family vacation. We would head over to Cable, Wisconsin, go to Telemark, and we would literally spend the next three days doing nothing but cross-country skiing. I have a deep love for the winter. It's gorgeous, man. The trees get stark. They get dark and barren, but they, they stand out against a bright, bright blue sky, especially as we get later in the season and the sun, sun starts to rise a little bit. Darkness is real and cold is real, and it can be a pain in the ass, but it's as beautiful as any day that spring or summer is going to give you, in my humble opinion. And a lot of the people I talked to for this book weren't necessarily outdoor enthusiasts. It's extraordinary mm. how much people love winter separate from that for mm. multiple reasons. One is the experience of their indoor world. People make their indoor world look incredibly cozy, warm. There's this whole concept of Huga, this idea of this intimate lovely environment in your house. A lot of people I talk to light candles at breakfast in the dark in the morning and have this whole vibe or a fire in the fireplace with the snow coming down and they're just having, or they're at a bar having a glass of wine watching the winter out the window. And another way people enjoyed it separate from your classic outdoor enthusiast, many, many people talk about it as the season where spiritually they're altered. They go inside themselves It's the season when they think about what is this life all about? What is existence? It's the season where people think about making changes internally. The other seasons have you outside yourself more. This winter draws you in. And the number of people who use it that way, 
So you can go beyond the whole, I like to go snowmobiling or cross-country skiing. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, I mean, you talk about Huga. Huga, is that how yeah. you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. The Danish ideal yeah. of this coziness that you're talking about. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, especially as I've gotten older and my right knee is no longer my friend, I'm not doing a lot of snowshoeing or cross-country right. skiing these days. You're an avid in- indoorsman, that's what to say. Especially in the winter, but there's nothing wrong with that. No. Like, I mean, you hunker down. I've never lived any place other than a couple of shitty apartments when I was a teenager. I've never lived any place that hasn't had a real wood fire place or at least a gas fireplace because when you settle down and it's the darkest time of the year you know especially i love christmas man i've always loved christmas you know some of it's nostalgia but turn off all the other lights in the room little nog spiked or not christmas tree lights on a small fire in the fireplace that's what we're talking that's about what we're talking this about. this is the time of reflection and thoughtfulness and i think our lives are nutty enough that maybe we could use a little bit more of that i don't want an eight-year winter you know game no. of thrones that kind no. of stuff but it's important to have one every year in my humble opinion and actually when you get at that eight-year winter idea. A lot of people in March feel like it's been about <laughs> yes, eight years. Yes. You bring up an excellent point and in your I, book. The new book is a winter song, A Hymn to the North. I don't mean to interrupt you, but you talk about you didn't really understand why would they bunch within five weeks Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And then what did you call it? What, what, the the what long 90? 90. The long yes. 90, which is you're going to have to make it till the end of March, maybe early April before this shit's over. When you get to the, uh, the January 2nd, when you get to January 2nd, the long 90 kicks in. <laughs> They've taken care of you in that early part of winter with all sorts of distraction. And now... Fattened you up a little bit. Reality sets in. But I also wrote a chapter on March itself. And it's called The Lessons of March, and it's about what that last month teaches us about life and living. We we had our winter. Even if we love winter, we're ready for it to be over, and winter's going a little long. Mm. But there are that's <laughs> no that, one's ever felt that. There way are before. so many analogies. It's a metaphor for <clears throat> so much of what we deal with in life. No, we're not getting what we want, which we so often don't. So what are you gonna do? What are you going to do in life when you don't get what you want? It's your call. What's the game plan? Nope, it's not spring and it's not coming for a while. Now what? Nope, that elderly person you're visiting at the old folks home who used to be this lovely, vivacious, fun-loving, gregarious (laughs) person is dying and just lying there. What are you going to do with that? That's reality. Now live. And I think that's one of the lessons of March is it teaches patience it teaches trying to appreciate what's here now, not endlessly yearning. And it's about get ready because this month is going to <laughs> increase the power of spring tenfold. And when spring comes, you're going to feel drunk without a bit of alcohol going into your system. March gets credit for that. He's the Ram Dass of the seasons, man. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, we are learning things today and getting yeah. particular insight. Before we continue to talk to Tommy Mischke about his new book, Winter Song, A Hymn to the North, I don't like to go too long without music. Tell me why Tim Buckley and why this song. This is an album my brother gave me for Christmas when I was a kid. I didn't know Tim Buckley at all. And this song, when it started, I'm a piano player. The, the piano that would kick in at the start of the song just shook something inside me. I have no idea what the hell this song is about. <laughs> What's it called? Peanut Man? Peanut Man. I like the vibe. I like the whole... I, I don't know what's going on, but as a kid, I thanked my brother just for this song alone. Go! 
Apparently, I don't go deep enough on Tim Buckley because I've heard a handful of songs. I don't. I don't know that I ever realized he ever got quite that jaunty and funky. That yeah. was amazing. Yeah, very unusual for him. Yeah, because again, most of his stuff is singer songwriter, right. folky, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything I've heard, I've never heard him kind of cut loose like that. But I like to know that that's inside of everybody. Before we continue with Tommy Mishki and learn more about the book uh, and what the future may in fact hold as a result, probably some de- I, Netflix is going to pick this fucker up. I know they are. It's going to be the next Fargo. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but hopefully with a little more respect for Northerners. All right. Uh, I want to talk to Sean Bernard. Sean Bernard, in addition to being my friend, producer of this kind, nice, decent, well, acceptable show, uh, he's also a realtor for Remax Results. What's going on in the the property game, my good man? Well, the big question. This is that is, why you rolled up in a bulletproof limo today? You know it. Yeah. I had my driver drop me off. Exactly. It was so great. Mm. Um, the perception is nobody moves in the winter in Minnesota. The reality is it goes down about 30%. Yeah. So people are still moving. Well, yeah. it's, just, it's a drag to move furniture when it's icy and shitty outside, but that's why you hire other it, people. It's a fantastic time to buy a home yeah. in the wintertime yeah, yeah. because you can often get a better deal. I've got a friend's son who is buying his first home. I said, I told him four months ago, I said, let's wait till January. He said, yeah, but then I'm moving. I said, how much stuff do you have? You're 25 years old. He right. goes, I'll probably not more than like a... 15 foot truck full. Okay. I said, so it's one day yeah. to save thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on your first home. And so that's exactly what we're going to do. We'll wait till January or February for him to buy his first home. If you're looking to buy or sell, uh, give me, give me a call. 612-859-2594. I donate a portion of every buy and sell to an area musician or band. Anybody who's listened to Tommy's podcast, uh, the Roadshow. um, knows that it is fucking excellent. And a big part of it, for those of you who don't know how it works behind the scenes, Tommy acquires all this audio, meets all these people, gets all these sort of rough-hewn ideas, and then I've never met anyone more meticulous about post-production than you are. And you sit there and you Frankenstein it together. And sometimes I'm certain that it slides together beautifully, and other times you're smashing it and smashing it, and it's going to work, and it's going to fit here. And then sometimes you have to capitulate. Was editing your new book, Winter Song, A Hymn to the North, was it similar to how you did it did, did your approach to post-production and editing and i know you've been a writer before for many many moons but did does, did that have anything to do with how you edited this and when you were finally able to set it down and say fine it's done yeah i i can't count how many times a person has to reread i mean I'm, I'm assuming all writers have this god help me if they don't but <laughs> i had to reread and reread and reread and every time, even the 70th, nope, I can do it better than that. I can say it better better than that. Something here isn't working. That endless going back, which is really the bane of my existence. I can't, you know, by the time the book comes out, I barely can read a word of it now. It's really sad. Well, you spent too much time with yeah. it. You got to give yourself a break. But I mean, that, so one of the things I ask almost every musician who comes through this room is like, when, you know, you've got a new record. When did you, when were you able to actually push back from the board and be like, it's great. Let's go. Because I don't think there's an artist out there that gives a real shit about their work that ever feels like it's done. Do you think Michelangelo thought he was done with David? He's like, you know what? I could have done that better up there where his fingers are on his shoulder. I could have put that a little bit. I'm sure that never. But at some point, you have to let it go, right? Absolutely. Greel Marcus, I remember saying there isn't a songwriter who's ever he's ever met who wants to finish a song. Right. They don't want to finish it because that means you're ready. And that's scary. Uh, in this particular case, I was worried, do I have enough? I don't want to say more than needs to be said. I am just writing about winter, nothing else. But I want to also say enough to have a book be a legitimate thing to put out. I, I hear musicians talk about this where they go, should we put this out? We have seven songs. Is that an album? And eventually you have to say, does this have a beginning, middle, and end? Is this complete? Are you saying something that you want to hand to somebody, and I, I think I got there. 
Well, let me ask you about that then, because when it comes to the structure of the book, you know, I don't expect things to be themed. I know nothing is ABC and people are always looking to compartmentalize and try to make more sense of it in their own head and through their own filters. But you must have had, you know, you've done all these writings and you've done all these musings on winter, some from a completely fictional standpoint in the voice of another character, which, by the way, Sean, were you able to read this book and not read it in Tommy's voice? Well, what I loved about it right away is that it's conversational, and I consider Tommy to be a storyteller first and last. Regardless of medium, I think of you as a storyteller. So, yeah, I heard. I mean, I've known him for years. I could absolutely hear him delivering these stories. Every word, even when it was another character, I I hear it in your voice because you, in addition to being clever and creative and storied and celebrated, you also, for a northerner, self-described, as we all are here, you got a little bit of a drawl um, as a northerner, which is not 100% common. You know, I'm not saying it's a southern drawl, but you have a unique speaking voice. Voice, which I suppose is lent to your, well, I would say legendary status. Will, at you, this point. will you read that little part that I just have there? Because I, can you read that? That you just pointed out here? Yeah. yeah. Everywhere El- else in the. Elsewhere in the country, others will claim to have winter. In fact, they'll say winter is a season in every state. It merely varies in presentation. But I cannot listen to that. I don't have it in me to empathize. We have it here in the North, and they don't. End of story. Little, little <laughs> harsh, probably. I know, but I love it. No, I love but, it. But it's it, not harsh. It's real. It gets to the heart of what this book is about. It doesn't mean that we're strong and they are weak. It doesn't mean, but it is a different way to approach life. Like if I had to live down south and it was humid half the year, no way. I'd kill myself. I would move to Yellowknife. I absolutely would. And so this, you know, we grew up in this, and so we don't expect any different. And what do you got right there? This is ties into what you were saying it doesn't it doesn't make us better it, no. it does not and in the acknowledgments on the very last page mm-hmm. i give thanks to winter herself i say i'll save one final tip of the cap for the one who helped raise me that would be winter herself mama i'm a child of the north winter's in my bones as it was in my father's before me on the central minnesota prairie and as it was in his father's before him on that same tundra, and his father's father's father, who built a little log shack there in 1871, one that still stands today. The American frontier was wide open back then, and yet when he crossed the sea, he chose the north to raise a family. That didn't make for an easy life in the 19th century, but then he wasn't aiming for easy. He had his sights on something else. Winter has coursed through the blood of his kin ever since, molding us as it sees fit. It doesn't make us better than anyone else. It just makes us different. T.D. Mischke has a new book. It's called Winter Song, A Hymn to the North. Um, if people want to get their hands on a physical copy, which I highly recommend because it's a very handsome volume. I like the quality of the paper. I like the quality of the content on the paper. I love the cover. The cover is very evocative and very, and not to mention you cut a dashing figure on the back on the <laughs> author's photo. Um, where do people get their hands on your book? What's the best way to do that? I mean, the holidays are approaching, let's be honest. Yes, and I think the independent bookstores in the yes. Twin Cities are coming through for me, and I Excellent. love that, and are stocking it, which I appreciate. So you must have a local independent bookstore you like, if you like books. If you really love shopping online, of course, that is endlessly going to be the possibility as well. Um, I have a book release party where <laughs> I'll offer it cheaper than any of those guys, yeah. and that's the night before Halloween, October 30th, which is a Monday night at the Dubliner. I hope you can make it. I'm going to be there 6 to 10. The Dubliner is Cretan and Van, Vandalia in St. Paul. Lovely little location. I call it the last true Irish pub in the Twin Cities. I was going to say, you've spent a little time there, it's haven't you? It's my office. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> is and, Tom uh, Scanlon still involved? Uh, yeah, no, the man who runs it and owns it, was born and raised <laughs> in Ireland. Lovely man, Tommy. Yeah. And uh, I, I'll be there Oct- Monday, October 30th, 6 to 10, with the book, selling it and signing it, and sticking a musician on stage to entertain the folks. It'll be a lovely night. I hope to see you there. That's another way to get the book. Very good. And if people just want to stay up with what you're up to, do you have a Ground Zero presence online? Is there a tdmishki.com? You know, I've never done that where it's just, here's everything I do in the world. The only thing there is mishkiroadshow.com, which is my show. But 
there's no website associated with the book. Um, it's just a lovely thing that's out there separate from what they call the Internet. What an iconoclast. He is diving into doing nothing but promotion for this new book, but refuses to <laughs> adopt the simplest and most basic changes that have happened in our society. I love you, Tommy Mishke. What were you going to say, Sean? I was going to say maybe we can get the web guy to put uh, a link to where to get the book uh, on I, the Mishke Road It's show so website. strange. A guy yeah. suggested that yeah. to me. yeah. And I know promotionally that's what you yeah, do. Yeah, oh yeah. But the road show has nothing to do with it. I know. So I, I, know, I, I, know. I just will sell a few less books and okay. keep these things separate. All I right. think. All right. That's Mishki. I've known him a long time, and like that's the word. No, I mean, no, one's, no one's surprised by that approach, are they? No. Yeah. No, not exactly. at all. Just a little suggestion. Um, before we bid a fond farewell, we're keeping this one kind of tight today because Sean's wife's birthday is today. And, and she's we, really cracking the whip today. I'm going to say that if we make her late, and again, I can only say this because I know she's never listened to the podcast. <laughs> if, if we make her late for her birthday lunch with her husband and children... Tommy, you and I are both in real trouble. It's going to be a really cold winter. I'm not not willing to carry that stone all the way through winter, all right? Before we go, I do have a question Mm -hmm. that I've never asked you. Mm -hmm. Is Uh who inspired you? You don't remember your first uh, snowfall. Mm -mm. Who inspired you with great storytelling when you were a young man? Who did you, you know, whether that was an uncle or somebody famous, is there somebody that you can draw from that you think back and think, wow. I'm going to give an answer that I've never heard given when this question has been asked of anybody because most people are really good at this and have lovely answers. I have no idea. Okay. I had to have been influenced by multiple people. Yeah. In storytelling in, in particular, I can't think of who that would be. I don't know. I've been sitting around telling stories since I was four or five years Mm -hmm. old and I thought everybody did that, yeah. and to some extent, everybody does. Anytime you're around somebody, they'll, I got a story for you, and they're telling something that happened, and then there are degrees of how good people are at that art, but I, I don't know the answer to that question. But if you have, you have a friend who can't tell a story very well, that hurts. they're not friends for very long. It's tough. <laughs> it's like not being able to tell a joke. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's unfortunate. It's like, Come on, man. As, as we get older, we whittle down yes. that core group. And not, 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 it doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to be venal. It doesn't have to be brutal or frontal. But eventually, you've only got so many hours left of consciousness. And you just you can't sit through another shit story. Yeah, I'm amazed at how many people, the stories they tell are just a rep- repeating of what they saw on this television show yes and that's it that's going to be all they talk about that's not original it's like that's not your story (laughs) right i just go watch the show (laughs) yeah exactly i mean you could even share that but add a little insight add a little flair add a little you got to bring something to the table especially if you're going to do that well you have done that winter song a hymn to the north i look forward to spending the weekend with this especially since fall is now in full swing right and october i love and i once we get I really like to keep it separate. Like I collect holiday music and I guess I can accept the fact that it starts to pop up as we get close to Thanksgiving, but I'd really rather save it for that Friday after Thanksgiving. And that's what makes it special, right? Is that month. Also, I, I I might get a tattoo that says the long 90 because that that's one of my, and I'm not even through your book yet, but that's one of my favorite things I've ever heard. Did you come up with the long 90? Yeah, Did you get that I always from used else? to start the radio show on January 2nd, going all the way back to KSTP days. Yeah. Well, here we are, folks, the long 90. This is the march. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we figure out how we're going to manage our lives because that's, but what a lovely thing to present to a human being. Yeah. We need challenges. We are, <laughs> yes. You know, that's one of the problem with constantly seeking 70 degrees all your life is where where's the challenge? Guys in Ely said to me, all the survival stuff has been taken away from us in this world. Yeah. There was a reason that helped us, that served us. You want to butt up against something. Winter is there for a reason. Use it. Like I said, if you don't pay attention, you're dead. All right, so pay attention. (laughs) Not every day, and this looks like, according to the long-term forecast, this is going to be a milder winter Mm -hmm. than usual. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason I drive a pickup truck. There's a reason I have a 4x4, just because every once in a while those winters come along that are not so friendly and do require a little effort. And I just hope that everybody out there reads this book, and I hope you remember that when you drive past that poor sucker who is in a small 
you know, uh, Prius or whatever, and the plows have come through and they get hung up on that berm, just the car is light. Get out and give them a push. Do the right thing. Be a proper northerner. I love that term, and I am going to take it as my own. All right. Well, I mean, I'll give you credit occasionally, but not every single time <laughs> I use it. Tommy, thank you very much, man. Thank you, guys. This was a blast. Good, Good to see you, Tommy. Book. Uh, anything else, Sean? Shall we just wrap That's her? all I got. Yeah, no, I know. You Go can be- get the book. Please support local authors and local artists. It matters a ton. And not just that, but also buy it from a local independent yes, bookstore because please. that's where I buy my records. And well, actually, there aren't any more national record stores anymore. But you know what? I mean, it's part of what makes Northerners Northerners do the right thing. Get out there and help people. Winter Song, A Hymn to the North by Tommy Mischke. So we're going to say our fond farewell right now. But you're going to play a song to take us out that I've never heard before. And I don't know anything about it. This song written by Leonard Cohen, I think puts him on a on a different pedestal than my dear Bob Dylan. Mm, I wow. think this writing surpasses as far as the the lyrics surpasses anything I've ever heard anyone do. Wow. Yeah, I, Leonard Cohen could have easily in my mind won the Nobel in place of Dylan. His writing wow. is second to none and this song what he does with an old story, the story of Joan of Arc is astounding to me, just brilliantly imaginative, and then who he has singing it. He sings with her, but Jennifer Warrens, who was born to do his songs and did it in an album called Famous Blue Raincoat, blows this song out of the water, and uh, and it's astounding. This is an astounding piece of art.
above all these wedding guests He hung the ashes of her lovely wedding dress So brave 